When it comes to the plant-based eating debate, there's more to consider than just healthy or unhealthy. Of course, we want to eat things that make us feel good and generate energy to keep us going, but there's also a major environmental component that drives a lot of people to a plant-focused diet. But you don't have to give up some of your faves entirely. Impossible Foods makes meat from plants. They're solving the meat problem with more meat. By creating delicious meat from plants that's better for you and the planet, Impossible lets you enjoy some of your favorite meaty products with a plant-based twist. Ground beef, homestyle meatballs, sausage patties, all made from plants. And that's just a few of their delicious and versatile options. No more tension between craving meat but not wanting to eat so much of it or sacrificing your carnivorous faves for your health. Indulge in nutrient-packed, plant-based goodness and feel good doing it. Check out impossiblefoods.com to see how you can help solve the meat problem with more meat. That's I-M-P-O-S-S-I-B-L-E-F-O-O-D-S.com. Those who have said be patient and wait, we must say that we cannot be patient. We do not want our freedom gradually, but we want to be free now. The time will come when we will not confine our march into Washington. We will march through the South, through the streets of Jackson, through the streets of Danville, through the streets of Cambridge, through the streets of Birmingham. We must say, wake up, America, wake up, for we cannot stop, and we will not and cannot be patient. Betches Media presents... Donald Trump was a a stain on our country. I'm someone's daughter. Congratulations, Mr. President. The Betches Suck Podcast. Mr. Vice President, I'm speaking. Hello, I'm Amanda Duberman. I'm Elise Morales. And I'm Millie Tamaras. And this is the Betches Up Podcast, where Twitter meets the group chat to help you process and laugh at the biggest topics in U.S. news and politics. Happy Tuesday, February 23rd. Happy Tuesday. Happy Tuesday. (laughs) Club going up. On a Tuesday. <laughs> Betcha sup on a Tuesday. Betcha sup is every day. We're here every day. If it ends yes, in day, we're going but, up. But you know, everyone knows Tuesday's the they most do. They know Tuesdays are because late. you know this combo. Yes, exactly. I think this this is gonna be a frequent Thursday combo too, though. So yes, stick around. It is, it is, I have it actually is. been agonizing over <laughs> scheduling out March because it's like when you standardize a schedule. It's like super easy, but like listeners tell us all the time, like, oh, I loved that pairing together. And I love these. And like, I never hear this person with that person. So I like want to satisfy everybody, but uh, it takes hours and hours. And it, makes, it means I send you guys a lot of notes to your Gmail. That's like a calendar events that are not final. <laughs> okay, well, it is me. It is. So let's get into the news today. We're going to talk about what's going on with some of these cabinet confirmations and uh, dip into immigration reform a little bit. So when we told you Joe Manson had just become the most powerful person in the Senate, this is what we meant. The moderate West Virginia Democrat is blowing up Biden's cabinet confirmation process, signaling objections to two women of color selected to make history in their posts. Good luck, Joe. Excellent fight. So Neera Tandon, I'm sure you've all heard this name. We've talked about this on the podcast before. She's been referred to as a controversial pick to lead the Office of Management and Budget, given her penchant for tweeting about Republicans in frustration, which she has apologized for. So Senator Joe Manchin said a few days ago he would not support her. That would mean Democrats need at least one Republican to side with them to confirm her. And Mitt Romney and Susan Collins have both said it's not them. They won't. Burkowski is still is still who knows she could, but it doesn't seem likely. And 
it doesn't really leave any reasonable path for her. Um, she used to lead the Center for American Progress, and there's no question she has like very progressive beliefs. But those beliefs are rooted in her own childhood when her family relied on federal assistance to get by. And not that they're like controversial beliefs in for any reason. Uh, but Joe Manchin described yesterday after meeting with Tandon why he is not going to vote with her. He said he had a real nice conversation with her, but remains opposed because of the timing. He went on to say that in the wake of January 6th, he is, quote, more committed to doing everything I can in my power to work across party lines. In this moment of time, we are all together. We can't have that type of animosity interfering in this country. Okay. I mean, where was any of this when you he was voting for Trump appointees? Yeah, for Kavanaugh. He fucking voted for Kavanaugh. This is why it's bullshit. This is why it's like, it's like, um, like women of color do not get the grace that yes. white men get. And like, right. It was like Kavanaugh and Sessions who was so racist. Yeah. Like he couldn't do like. Judge Coretta shit. Scott King wrote a letter being like, don't, <laughs> don't fuck with this guy. He's racist. Oh my God. I forgot about like, that. And Joe Manchin was like, I'm going to give him a chance. Yeah, it's always like reaching across the aisle for them, but never the other way around. And it's just, it's so offensive when we just had a president in office who basically won on the strength of his divisive Twitter and ruled by divisive Twitter. And, but now because Neera Tandon tweeted that Mitch McConnell is Voldemort, she's not going to get confirmed. Like, it's ridiculous. It's ridiculous. And it just points to like, Women, especially in the Democratic Party, and obviously Joe Manchin doesn't speak for the whole Democratic Party, but like women's interests that people see as just applying to women and specifically women of color, we're the first to go on the list. Like abortion issues are always the first to go. There's no motivation here. Like it's always seen as disposable that like, okay, I guess. But as you said, a man would, a white man would never be held to the standards. We know that because they weren't. Brett Kavanaugh threw an actual tantrum in his hearing. <laughs> Crying. tantrum because he got called out for fucking sexually assault. <laughs> he did. He did it like one or allegedly, right? Or whatever. He allegedly did it. But come on, like Yes. And and he and he got it. You know what I mean? He was like underqualified for sure. Has like insane debt that no one knows how it was paid right. off. Like yeah. Man, this is like, this is the bullshit. And it's so crazy because Nira, like people on the left don't even like her. Right. Like, like she's a controversial figure, like, and seen as moderate or whatever by like Bernie people and the DSA and stuff. So it's really interesting that like, this is the person that Joe Manchin is like, no, she's too progressive or it's just so fucked up. And it's so like, like the Joe Manchin of it all, personally, is just so like disappointing, uh, discouraging, um, because it's like we fucking so many people did so much and talked about so much about Joe Biden winning and um, Ossoff and Warnock and canvassing and and calling and doing all this shit. Mm -hmm. And now it's this fucking guy who's literally standing in the way of actual progress. And it just feels so like 
no matter what we do, like the Republicans are always going to win. And like, yeah, because it's not just that he's standing in the way of these nominations. He's one of the people standing in the way of removing the filibuster. He is single-handedly standing in the way of the Democratic agenda that has a mandate in this country. People came out en masse and said, we want Democrats to be able to enact legislation and put through their policies. And Joe Manchin specifically, because he's from West Virginia and he's insulated and he's not up for re-election anytime soon. And even if he was, we couldn't primary him because we're not getting another Democrat out of West Virginia yeah. that's significantly different from him anyway. So he just gets to do whatever whatever he wants. And, and we don't get, there's really not much we can do about it. And I've actually been reading a promised land by uh -huh. Barack Obama. And it reminded me, you know, we talk a lot about how when Obama came into office, he had a supermajority, like a filibuster proof supermajority. And a lot of times you'll hear people be like, why didn't he do more? But when you look at it, half of that supermajority was Joe Manchin. Yeah. And so that's why we couldn't get, I mean, Joe Lieberman at that time single-handedly refused to vote for the Affordable Care Act if it included uh, the public, the public option. option. And so that's why we don't have the public option. Like we look back, I just think it's, I think I've seen this said a lot of times, but in another country, the Democratic Party would be like 16 different parties. Yeah, yeah. And that's what we're seeing here. Like he's not, I'm not in the same party as Joe Manchin. Right. And Elise and I were talking about this and it's just, what is even the point of him being a Democrat if he's functionally a Republican? But then like you said, Elise, we're not winning West Virginia. So we'd have to pick up. I think there was another really old guy that was a Democratic Senator from there. I think his name's like Robert Byrd or something. Was he a Democrat from West Virginia? I think he was. But um, also Joe Manchin, just to give you more of a signal about what a bad Democrat is, he endorsed Susan Collins over Sarah Gideon when she ran for Senate. <laughs> He endorsed cool. Susan fucking Collins. He apparently has all of the moderates in the Senate, like out on his like houseboat or his boat in the, I don't know why I said houseboat, his boat in the Potomac. He just seems like he has a houseboat. Well, again, it's like they're in a part, they should be a party. Yes. Susan Collins and Mitt Romney and, and Joe Lukowski. Manchin and all those people should be a party. Mm -hmm. And then there's the Republicans and then there's Ted Cruz and the, the cuckoo crazies should be a yeah. different party. I didn't and know where you were going with the cuckoo. <laughs> The, yeah. the cuckoo crazies should yeah. all the cuckoo be in there. Yeah. <laughs> the cuckoo Cancun crazy. <laughs> and the Democratic Party should be split. Clan like, it's insane to think yeah. that AOC and Joe Manchin are in the same party. It doesn't make sense. It's insane for Biden and AOC to be in the same party. Yeah. Yeah. And Bernie and AOC. It makes me wonder, you know, we're always like Democrats are really self um, deprecating and we we're always love to be like, oh, Democrats are so stupid. We never do the right strategic move, which I think is often unfortunately true. But as you said, Elise, it's like when you actually look at what was going on at the time, real Democrats did do everything. When you have like people that they're not legitimately Democrats, they don't actually favor these policies. Their job is to like keep things down the line. I don't know what else we're supposed to do. I mean, we do need Manchin for the filibuster, which is pretty scary. I mean, we're going to we're gonna talk about it. We talked about this yesterday when we talked about the Equality Act, if that could be a fight maybe where um, they could overcome the filibuster. We all know your hair and skin can sway your mood and impact your day in ways you can't underestimate. Sometimes what starts as a bad hair day quickly turns into a bad everything else day. I'd never found beauty products that really understood my needs, but ever since I switched to custom hair and skin routine with pros, I've noticed so many benefits. Healthier hair and skin, yes, but beyond that too. 
Since I started using Pros, I've noticed consistently healthy hair. Even with all I put it through with the heat tools and the hairsprays to get this pompadour sky high, it smells great, it looks fancy on the shelf, and I like that it has my name right on it. This formula is made for V. Pros is made for people, not hair and skin types. Personalization is rooted in everything they do, from their in-depth consultation to their made-to-order model. From millions of possible formulas, only one is uniquely yours or mine. And Pros isn't just better for you. It's better for the planet. They're a certified B Corp, cruelty-free, and the first and only carbon-neutral custom beauty brand. They even have a review and refine tool, which learns from my feedback and adjusts my formula to keep up with the seasons and changes in my life. Pros is so confident that you'll bring out your best hair and skin that they're offering an exclusive trial offer of 50% off your first subscription at pros.com slash feverdream. So get your free consultation, then 50% off at pros.com slash feverdream. That's P-R-O-S-E dot com slash feverdream. Hey, American Fever Dream listeners, I'm here to tell you that there is no reason to panic the next time you're searching for the perfect gift. Now you can use Gift Mode on Etsy. Gift Mode on Etsy is here to take the stress out of gifting so you can find the perfect item for anyone and any occasion. It's easy. Just tap or click Gift Mode on your Etsy app or Etsy.com. Then answer a few short questions about who you're shopping for and what they like, and Gift Mode instantly gives you curated gift ideas based on hundreds of personas. Now it's simple to find gifts made by independent sellers for all the people in your life. Whether you need a Mother's Day gift for the quilter or a birthday present for the vintage hunter, there is something for everyone on Etsy. Some of the things I like to buy on Etsy have little dachshunds on them or are four dachshunds. Dottie's got a whole litany of new sweaters and harnesses and all kinds of fun stuff that we get lots of compliments on when we're out on walks. A gifting moment is always just around the corner, whether it's a birthday, an anniversary, a holiday, or even just a day to say thank you. Gift Mode on Etsy has you covered. Need to find the perfect gift? Don't panic. Try Gift Mode on Etsy now. Neera Tandon is not the only person of color appointed to a cabinet position that is facing issues because of Joe Manchin. So confirmation hearings begin today for Deb Holland, and she would be the first Native American to lead a department as Secretary of the Interior. That role engages a lot with tribal lands. Republicans say she's too radical in her support for progressive environmental policies and opposition to new oil and gas drilling leases on federal land. Elections have consequences. <laughs> like- I mean, it's it, that's the thing. It's like, this is just, and again, Obama actually said this in Promised Land. He talks about this, but like, it used to be that these confirmation hearings were basically procedural. It was understood that a new president gets to install his cabinet. Mm -hmm. And the proceeding was mostly for if someone deeply unfit for the position. Like Brett Kavanaugh. Like like, uh, maybe Betsy DeVos. Yeah. Uh, (laughs) So it's actually only 27 times in the history of the United States has a cabinet appointee been either defeated or withdrawn. This would be only the 28th time. And I'll note that it started picking up a lot with Obama. Yeah, like, I mean, a lot of things go back to when Newt Gingrich was Speaker of the House, like a lot of the animosity of things that are happening kind of and like this, the way politics have changed, a lot of it goes back to him, even though Mm -hmm. that was in the House. But yeah, we've started, it's become a political process when it used to not be. And Joe Biden won the election and he should be able to choose his cabinet barring someone who is deeply unqualified for some kind of like personal reason right exactly i just like i feel so conflicted because part of me is like on one end i'm like 
Look, I, I love democracy and I love like, you know, I love like, you know, this process. But then on the other end, I'm like, yo, like uh, AOC, AOC said, like, how is one person have more power than everyone else? Like, and I'm like, yo, you need to get muscled. Like, yeah. how are, how are, like, <laughs> I want to see like Joe Manchin get muscled a little bit. Like, if there was a Republican in that part, like, the outlying Republicans, like, mm-hmm. which, like, they don't fuck with Mick Romney anymore. You know what I mean? And like, whatever, whatever, he still does what he wants, but like, not really. Like, half mm-hmm. of the time he doesn't. And like, that's what I'm saying. I'm like, can we muscle him? It's just kind of like, you know, if we're all getting pizza and we're talking about toppings, and Joe mentions the only one who wants Hawaiian, and now the whole fucking party has to eat Hawaiian pizza fuck because that. this one. No. Yeah, yeah, dog. You get one slice or shut the fuck up. So yeah. I'm just like, you know, I get it. Like we want to appease. But then at the same time, I'm like, is there nothing that we can do to like some kind of incentive or cutting off money or something of like, yo. Yeah. I mean, I, I as like- much as I do think it's, it's true that West Virginia is a pretty challenging place. There are grassroots groups everywhere who are working really hard to support Democratic candidates in places you wouldn't expect. So, I mean, yeah, I, I'm sure we'll see that pressure, but that's the thing. How do you get leverage over Joe Biden or Joe Manchin? Like, what does he need that we can withhold from him? Nothing really, other than his seat, which is so safe. Well, I you know. Know. well it's just like, why, don't you want to get like more, like, like better jobs in your state or like public transportation or, you know, more like research? Like there is incentives, like West Virginians, aren't doing the great. sooner we no. get right the sooner we can get away from some of these like energy policies that yeah maybe do really employ people in that state but are not gonna last like the sooner we can get them into better more sustainable jobs like the better does yeah. he want to be remembered as like joe manchin the senator that let west virginia just like languish and because all of this policy he's not only going to stop it for all of america but for west virginia too like y'all have to suffer from it too if you don't get these policies yeah, like, I'm just like, don't you want, I mean, and I guess that was the thing that broke, to me, that seemed like one of the things that broke, like, Trump and Hillary, it was like, these coal jobs and all this stuff when Trump is, you know, Trump is like, like, Hillary's like, these jobs are gone, dog, these jobs yeah. aren't coming back, we'll help you get new jobs, we'll train you to get new jobs, but this shit is gone, and Trump's like, no, just straight up lying to just people, lie. no, they're not gone, blah, blah, blah. We got you, we got you. And instead of these people, like, it's easier to accept, you know, the lies mm-hmm. than accept the reality and the, the reality is going to be different from what you you know. Um, so they all voted for Trump. And then, of course, CNN does this, you know, report, goes back to those towns that overwhelmingly mm-hmm. voted for Trump and they all fucking regretted it. Yeah. They all were like, my life is worse off. I All the benefits that I got got cut off. There are no coal jobs, wow. blah, blah, blah. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, and it's just like, so what are you doing, Joe Manchin? He, yeah, I have no idea. He has no, like, philosophy or guiding principle other than to get in the way. Like, it, it's, it's people like him and Susan Collins that they think that they're providing an incredible service. You know they think this by keeping yeah. things measured. He goes home and he sleeps like a baby because he thinks that he is keeping the Senate as the world's greatest deliberative body. And that's what they tell themselves. But in practice, you're just 
stonewalling. You're just keeping stuff from happening. You're not proposing solutions. Truly in practice, these like quote unquote moderates and like I'm thinking about Joe Manchin in particular, they are the least compromising people in the Senate. Yeah. Because we are always forced to meet them at where they are at. And they never are like, you know what? Like we should meet the progressives where they're at. They never do that. They never do that. It is always, and I saw a tweet from Ro Khanna about this, like, why are moderates never asked to compromise? The compromise is always just their full position. Exactly. Right. We have polling and like all polling on major issues shows that like, usually it's like nothing's right down the middle at this point. Really nothing is right down the middle. So, and most of the polling shows favoring democratic policies. So I don't really know why Joe Manchin is so insistent on. One one more note before we move on to the next topic. Republicans are also pushing back on former California AG, uh, Biden's choice to run the Health and Human Services Department. They don't like his views on expanding healthcare and abortion to undocumented immigrants, which is just like a, a humane yeah. thing to do in that position. <laughs> He also sued the Trump administration a hundred times, which they're mad at him about. um, And that just makes me laugh. (laughs) He sued 100 times. It's the American way, dog. Fuck it. Yeah, right? Yeah. It's also like, these are the same people. Not to say that, like, if you're an immigrant and you don't, like, deserve the right to, to have a kid here mm-hmm. right but these are the first people who are always talking about anchor babies and all right. this bullshit right and then it's like okay so then let's make it easy for immigrant women to get abortions no 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 we don't like that either okay motherfucker what do you like <laughs> right. like you don't like anything you just like to talk shit and then what like getting health care like sh- like oh it's just so ugh, so yeah, they have no like, actual principle no actual principle what so like like they don't hire like a bunch of yeah. immigrant like people to cl- clean their house whatever family whatever you know what i mean like oh so they're good enough for to work in your fucking houses but they're not good enough to get health care and it's medicaid it's not even like you know it's not like this huge luxury medical shit because this is america they're gonna fucking wait forever in a clinic and only get charged $20 as opposed to $1,500. We also just saw what happens when you don't guarantee, we're still seeing what happens when you don't guarantee healthcare. Like these viruses transmit whether you're insured or have access or not. So I don't know why the idea of keeping people in this country healthy and not a threat to people around them health-wise, even if you don't want them to be here, is like a pretty, seems like a pretty acceptable issue. We all dread the what should we have for dinner question. I mean, I know I do. I love a home-cooked meal, but I don't always have the time, energy, or groceries to make it happen. Being able to feast on a delicious meal without the long prep and cook times is what drew me to Home Chef over the other guys. Home Chef's meals are effortless, so I can spend less time trying to be Top Chef and more time watching it. Home Chef provides fresh ingredients and chef-designed recipes conveniently delivered to your doorstep to simplify your cooking experience. Whether you prefer classic meal kits with pre-portioned ingredients and easy instructions, speedy recipes ready 
in less than 30 minutes. Oven-ready kits with pre-chopped ingredients or quick microwave meals that assemble in minutes. Home Chef has you covered for delicious meals without the hassle. Home Chef has over 30 options a week and serves a variety of dietary needs, so you never have to worry about what to make ahead of time. Not only is it convenient, but it's economical too. Home Chef customers save an average of $86 per month on groceries. For a limited time, Home Chef is offering our listeners 18 free meals plus free dessert for life and of course, free shipping on your first box. Just go to homechef.com slash fever dream. That's homechef.com slash fever dream for 18 free meals and free dessert for life. You heard that right. Homechef.com slash fever dream must be an active subscriber to receive free dessert. When it comes to the plant-based eating debate, there's more to consider than just healthy or unhealthy. Of course, we want to eat things that make us feel good and generate energy to keep us going. But there's also a major environmental component that drives a lot of people to a plant-focused diet. But you don't have to give up some of your faves entirely. Impossible Foods makes meat from plants. They're solving the meat problem with more meat. By creating delicious meat from plants that's better for you and the planet, Impossible lets you enjoy some of your favorite meaty products with a plant-based twist. Ground beef, homestyle meatballs, sausage patties, all made from plants. And that's just a few of their delicious and versatile options. No more tension between craving meat but not wanting to eat so much of it or sacrificing your carnivorous faves for your health. Indulge in nutrient-packed, plant-based goodness and feel good doing it. Check out impossiblefoods.com to see how you can help solve the meat problem with more meat. That's I-M-P-O-S-S-I-B-L-E-F-O-O-D-S dot com. So... The Biden administration is working with Congress to move as quickly as possible on big immigration reform. The last time Congress passed major reform, immigration reform rather, was in 1986. And that was when President Reagan signed a law making it illegal for employers to hire immigrants without documentation. Obama was never able to pass immigration reform. It was, I feel like we were always hearing about it and it just never happened. And his administration, of course, famously deported 5 million people, not a bright spot. So Biden's bill would pave, it would create a pathway to citizenship for basically all of the undocumented immigrants living in the United States. It would increase illegal immigration and it would speed up the consideration of asylum seekers. There are about 11 million undocumented immigrants living in the country. More specifically, the plan would allow immigrants who pass a background check and pay taxes to live and work in the U.S. for five years, after which they can apply for a green card with the opportunity to obtain full citizenship three years after that. So it's an eight-year process. Alongside this, uh, the Biden administration issued new guidance on how ICE should make arrests. It basically narrowed the reasons for which somebody can be arrested and all arrests require pre-approval. So it's basically prioritizing people that either they say pose a threat or are recent arrivals, but they're considering recent arrivals, people who got here on November 1st. Um, So that's a pretty long time to like establish routes also during a pandemic. It also prioritizes arresting people convicted of certain offenses that classified as aggregated felonies. But it's important to note that that could include crimes such as filing a false tax return or failing to appear in court. I can imagine if there's a language barrier, those would be very easy mistakes to make. Yeah. So this was obviously a disappointment to many because it shows that the administration isn't really rushing to allow ICE to limit anything. However, Biden's Department of Homeland Security did try to impose at least a 100-day moratorium on deportations, but that was blocked by a Trump-appointed judge in Texas. So there's looking to be quite a lot of motivation from Democrats on immigration reform. There's obviously a reason it didn't happen under Biden. Um, But I think the politics has changed. I think that a successful immigration reform would really help Democrats. Uh, Millie, you've talked a lot about how there's a huge Hispanic vote that's for the taking. How do you think immigration reform would impact that? 
I feel like, I mean, it just depends on it. Because again, the Hispanic vote is so diverse because there are people who I find, you know, and I mean, I think Elise can speak more to like the Cuban American um, Hispanic vote. And my, my point of view is that Cuban Americans who, you know, they're like, well, I believe that we should get here, like people should get here the right way and all of that. But those people tend to vote Republican mm-hmm. because they believe in the right way. Where I feel like the the thing that can be up for the taking are people who maybe like were immigrant, you know, and, and not just Cuban Americans. Mm-hmm. I would say Vietnamese yeah. Americans and a lot of people who got who were refugees in the 80s and you know, 70s now are extremely conservative, Republican, you know, right wing. <laughs> Um, but I, but I would say there, there's a sanction of people who have conservative values, anti-abortion, maybe anti-gay, all this stuff, but they did come here illegally. They are, you know, and they do struggle with immigration stuff. And there, I think that vote is up for the taking. Um, those people are up for the taking, even like African immigrants, you know, like not just Hispanic, but just immigrants from other countries who maybe are more conservative in values, but they struggled a lot when they got here. And then, you know, so they want to vote for a party that aligns with them in that way. So I feel like that part is up for the grab, you know, up for the taking, but that is, is harder to convince people who did it the right way, quote unquote, um, to, to, you know, whatever. So I don't know, at least speak Yeah, I mean, I agree with everything you said. And I also do think it's an important point that, like, obviously with immigration reform, the largest impacted class is Latinx people in the U.S. But, like, this is actually, there are immigrants from a lot of places who will benefit from this and understand how difficult our system is and have seen either family members or have themselves gone through this process. And those people are the ones that I do feel like, you know, if Mm -hmm. you are a person who was maybe born here, but has a parent that immigrated illegally and you, Joe Biden gives your parent or the Democrats give your parent a pathway to citizenship. I don't see you voting against that, you know? So I think those are the people that we're thinking about. Cuban Americans are a different population. They have a different deal. But another thing is like the Cuban American population that is in Miami is in many ways, like they're rooted from the people like my dad who came after the 19 in the 1960s. And then there was like another wave in the eighties of migrants. There is a whole new wave of Cuban migrants who are in our detention centers right now. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, There mm -hmm. are a lot of Cubans and it's a lot of Afro-Cubans, Black-Cubans. Yeah, like it's a lot. Patients. Exactly, who are in our detention centers right now. So like allowing those individuals a pathway to citizenship also changes the political makeup of Cuban Americans in general, Mm, you know? That's a good point. Yeah. yeah. And I feel like um, just from people in my life and the, like eight years, quote unquote, sounds like a long time. But there are people who are just stuck here. Like I think about so many friends from high school and one of my like um, friends who like saved up 
a ton of money in Dominican Republic, came here when she was 16, paid like $18,000 to somebody to like falsify documents. She came when she was 16 because of DACA. She was able to like be a resident or something and like went back home like after like 15 years, like, you know, when she was 32 or something. But these people like, you know, this path of citizenship, like, like eight years or whatever is nothing to these people to like do things the right way and what i don't know like it's exactly this whole quote-unquote do things the right way like when people who say that i'm I'm, and i'm not talking about like immigrant populations who say that i'm talking more about like americans here who Mm -hmm. say that they don't understand the process of immigrating here is extremely difficult especially if you are a non-white immigrant i mean i have a friend who's just a british lady who literally went to harvard her and her husband are harvard educated lawyers and they were like we can't make heads or tails of this process they said it was like one of the most confusing Mm -hmm. difficult processes so just tell someone to do it the right way expensive time consuming like to tell someone quote unquote to do it the right way when you're talking to a person who is like fleeing violence. Yeah. Right. That's not, this is a way for the people who are fleeing violence to get here and then quote unquote, do it the right way and involve themselves in the legal process, which I think those people would love to do. Yeah. No one wants to live as a second class citizen who can't get jobs, who doesn't have real paperwork, who can't go to the fucking doctor. Well, ICE is in your city and you never know. Exactly. Exactly. Constantly harassed, constantly scared, scared you'll be taken away from your children, scared. Like the life that these people live as undocumented immigrants is like an underclass is like an underclass that I am I'm without a doubt sure that they would like a pathway to get out of. Yeah, yeah. with no pathway, no end in sight or anything. And yeah, like it's And also, you know, it's just kind of like a lot of the people that talk, it's two things, right? Like one thing is like, you've never been in that situation. Like, God forbid, God forbid the insurrection happened and some crazy shit went down. How many people would flee to fucking Canada? How many people would flee to Mexico? Like, Mm -hmm. like how many people would do some crazy shit? Like people don't know because they can't even fathom. And we're closer to it than people realize. They can't even fathom a situation where they have to uproot. And like, given the context, they would do it themselves. I mean, that was something, I mean, The Handmaid's Tale, like that, whatever got really crazy. But (laughs) that was something that really contextualized it for me was like seeing them run for their lives to Canada and seeing like little America, little America in Canada, like kind of like really clicked for me in that way. And then another thing is like America, you know, there's a lot of reasons why this country is great. You know, we have a minimum wage. Um, there are some kind of law, there's some attempt to try to protect protected classes, you know, try to have some disability rights, try, you know, there's some attempt and a lot of countries don't, but at the same time, like America's ghetto, like yeah. we don't have a lot of fucking guns. We don't have healthcare. We, we don't like a lot of the roads, like there are roads here in New York city. Cause I ride a fucking moped sometimes. And I'm like, this shit is worse than Dominican yeah. Republic. Yeah. <laughs> or worse than Cambodia. I don't know. If you've ever than... driven around in New Orleans, it's crazy. The pothole situation is not 
Right. <laughs> it doesn't, you know what I mean? And it's just like, it's not like, and I feel like that the, a lot of the people are like, do it the right way. Everyone wants to, and I see this all the time on 90 Day Fiance. <laughs> like I had to stop watching because it was just getting too, like, it's it's kind of abusive, but like, yeah. Yeah. it's like all these people are like, they just want you for your green card. And it's like, these people are coming from bustling cities in their home country where they made good money. Yeah. And they're, they want to fucking take you for your green card. You live in the middle of fucking nowhere and there ain't shit to do but go to Walmart on weekends. I know. Maybe, and maybe the way we should look at this is not to like, but America's amazing. And if you want to be here, you have to do it the right way. Really, it's like, shit, they came here. It must be bad for them where they were. We could probably <laughs> exactly. like make it work. Truly, it's like, wait, they walked here? Yeah. Exactly. Like, something must be going on. You know, we just had half a half a million people just died. You half know? a million people just died. You could go into a bank. You could go to a bank to try to deposit a check, and some teenage kid might have been having a bad day and just come shoot it up, and that's that on that, and that's mm-hmm. the American reality. And nothing is going to change in our laws, and no one's going to get background checks or nothing because we're in the pockets of the gun lobby. Yeah. That is this country, yeah. and people are coming here taking that chance and coming here anyway. Yeah. Speaking of that, to wrap up, and Brian and I uh, talked about this uh, yesterday too, we were talking about the Equality Act, is that as a country that tries to have the moral high ground, it's not a good look that we treat immigrants this way. And that we have like a law enforcement force that terrorizes cities and scoops them up and uh, Mm -hmm. rips people from their parents. Uh, The bill also includes $4 billion to address... uh, any like push factors from the countries of origin. I don't know how impactful that will be, but that's something Republicans like to say is that if we just give those countries money, people will stop coming here. Um, uh, We talked about this yesterday with Brian, but I actually think it's more, what do you guys think the likelihood is that immigration reform could come up, could result in uh, overturning the filibuster? Do you think this is an issue where Democrats could, it could be favorable for Democrats long-term to say, you know what, this is a human rights issue. We need to do this now. And this is the moment we, we pass this. I think, you know, it's interesting because it really just is coming down to, again, the personalities of these people. I could see Joe Manchin being more moved on immigration reform because, you know, that's an issue that has existed for a long time. And, than he would LGBTQ rights. Mm-hmm. I don't think that that's something that right. The, the real him. question is: Do we think Joe Manson would overturn the filibuster for immigration reform? I feel like we have a better path. I mean, in my in my vision, I feel like voting rights might have a more oh, yeah. like a stronger path. To, you know, when he, because that one's like less arguable. Like it's like America's yeah. whole thing. Yeah, yeah. Then fucking you know, to me they're the you know what i mean like to me but i'm talking about if we're talking about joe manchin um and kristen cinema maybe kristen cinema if she wants to get reelected again in arizona right in yeah. arizona might do some shit but i mean kristen cinema um, is like she's queer so true. she's bi so i'm like maybe she would vote to overturn it for the lgbtq bill but not something else so it's it's very interesting because it is coming down to like the personalities of these like individual people and their unique political calculus too i feel like diane feinstein could get on board with immigration reform Mm -hmm. because why is she still in senate (laughs) why is she we need diane feinstein reform <laughs> yeah. Didn't they come out that yes, she has Alzheimer's? She legit filed papers to run again. 
That would make her like 95 at the end of her last term. 90 years old. Yeah, it would make her. She ran again at 87. I don't I don't want to be ageist, but I just think that's crazy. I don't want to be ageist, but like dog, like bow. Only RBG can do that because she had to. She could not. Yeah, there's no reason like like California's bustling with like younger people who can, you know, do shit. And it's like it's one thing if you're doing that, but like real really fighting. But you're in the way like. It's not that all uh, old people are this and that. Like you're really like stopping progress, right? Like Bernie's you're really about old. To die. <laughs> true, true. <laughs> Bernie's also old, but yeah, Diane Feinstein. I don't understand it. And also, I'm just like, listen. When I'm 95, yeah. the last fucking thing I want to do is be working. Yeah, come and on. Like, <laughs> it's not even working. It's like it's immoral. Like I don't want to be ageist, but it's like. It's fucked up that these people that are deciding the future of our country for the, the that f- 10, 15, 20 years, like they're not going to be here nope. for the effects of their vote. And like, it is what it is. Like, I, you know, but at the same time, I'm just like, this is messed up. Like, I don't know, you know, like, yeah, what? I don't want to yeah. say like, old people can't do work, but it's at the same well, time. I think like- that's where the term limit conversation comes in. Yeah. Like- yeah. That's a conversation for a different day. Until the end of democracy, I'm Amanda Duberman. I'm Elise Morales. And I'm Millie Tamaras. And this is the Betches Up Podcast. The Betches Up Podcast is produced by Amanda Duberman, Jorge Morales Pico, and Sean Kilby. Social media by Amanda Duberman. Artwork by Brittany Levine. Our podcast director is Sean Kilby. Be sure to follow us at Betches underscore Sup on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok. And send your emails to SupPod at Betches.com. Batches.